Hello, pizza boy. Let me just get my tip. Oh, forgive me. I'll wear more clothing. So, um... Sorry about that one. I ordered a, um... Pizza. And I may have... Um... You know how it goes. You write it. You write in the message. You, you say, "Bring your cutest, uh, sweetest, ideally MLM delivery boy." And it's like, uh, who ordered the extra sausage? That can't be me. I'm a vegetarian." Well, I got it right here. Well, come in for a second, of course. <laughs> Pizza's coming, and I'll also edit the. The, um, the delivery message, of course. Are you hungry? Because I, I feel like I could gobble down... Let me finish. I could gobble down, like, an entire wooden box containing French military secrets from the War of the First Coalition. Did, did you not get that reference? Well, I know what our story this evening is going to be, then. Uh, allow me to introduce you to uh, Terrar. And... Well, seeing as my pagan craft sort of wanes in between Sawing and Yule, I think it's actually a pretty good time we dive into a story that's completely, bona fidedly, that's a word, true. And, uh, you know, I'll just cancel the pizza delivery entirely, because as a warning, this story is going to completely ruin your appetite. Fine, I'll put on pants, but name one anthropomorphic fox that actually wears pants. Nick Wilde has that nudist scene. The original Roald Dahl Fantastic Mr. Fox illustration doesn't wear any pants. Welcome, welcome to the foxhole and fox so esoterica. I promise I was sober when I wrote this. Welcome back to Foxo Esoterica. The paranormal drunk comedy podcast that- Oh my god, I just realized the opening theme almost sounds like the Angry Birds theme. Can we ignore that and move on? Thank you. I'm your host, Forsetti Fox, the Volpine Bard whose legends go hard. Tonight, we're going to be discussing a particularly disgusting legend. An actual true story of Terrar, the French showman and spy who had a particular knack for uh, safely eating 30 pounds of food in one sitting, and who remained 100 pounds himself in weight his entire life. He may have also been a cannibal, but more on that later. Tonight, I am joined with close friend from my theatrical days back in the States, Doug, aka The Pink Punk on YouTube. I recommend you check them out. I'll post a link in the description. We'll introduce them in a bit, uh, but I did want to point out that I don't have too much in the lieu of housekeeping today, but I do want to point out... Just as a general content warning, this episode is going to feature a large amount of gross digestion facts and a tad bit of body horror, so if that is not within your comfort zone, you are totally fine for skipping out on this episode. Uh, But without any further ado, let's go off script and segue into the introduction of the guest in a way that I forgot to write. So yeah, we'll we'll, um, TBH, to be honest, moment with Force Eddie Fox. I'm gonna get a pop mic. I'm gonna put some tapestries on the wall. I'm gonna soundproof this apartment. But the audio on my end on this episode needs love because of the architecture of the building. And so, as a warning before the episode starts truly, I'm gonna be very echoey, if you couldn't already tell. 
Welcome back to Foxo Esoterica. Tonight I have a guest from college and a very close friend. Allow me to introduce the illustrious and amazing Doug. Say hello, Doug. Hello. Hi. How's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm drinking uh, Mike's Hard and I'm having an everything bagel. So oh. I am in the vibe zone. I don't think I've seen a Mike's Hard over here they don't have those in germany i think actually though like malt beverages don't exist but germany does this thing mm. where they mix lemonade and beer and they call it radler and that's as close as it gets and it's actually really refreshing i thought it'd be vile but it's refreshing well i mean you are in like the motherland of beer so it makes sense like the beer there tastes really good Oh, yeah. But, like, I'm always, like, nervous because the beer will, like, it's got a strong beer flavor. And then it's like, here's the beer in lemonade. Here's the beer in Coke. And then I get nervous, but then I enjoy it anyway. I'm already on a tangent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, anything you want to say about yourself? Do a little self-introduction? Tell us about your vibe. Um. Well, I, I like puns. Um, I love the color pink. Um, I hate um, self-introductions from uh, writing them for theater to putting them on dating apps. It's just it feels weird selling yourself. So, uh, yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that's a uh, that's me. I'm just happy to be here. Hope everyone watching. I mean, I guess listening is a having a good one. And you just made um, me realize that I have to make a new introduction every episode. And every time I do it, I'm like, I can't. This is the last ounce of creative juices i have to introduce this without using the same script twice but yeah that's introductions are hard no oh, i'm happy to be here i hope this is uh gonna be a lot of fun and honestly uh yeah no i'm uh just a dude um making his way through uh life as crazy as it is uh trying to be kind and doing a little bit better than i did the day before um and, uh, yeah, that's about it. I don't really know how much else to say about myself. That's totally cool. Doug and I were friends from college who were in the same theater program, and I am a very big fan of their work. Uh, I'll have a pluggy plug thing later, but you have a YouTube channel also, don't you? Do you not? Oh, yeah. I guess I could have talked about that. Um, yes, so uh, my YouTube channel is called The Pink Punk. I... Um, I do video essays or essays. I've done one and I'm working on a second and I have a bunch of other more amorphous ideas kind of floating in like the ether that is my head. Um, are you, are you in a mood a to spoil it or are you keeping it under wraps for now? Well, so my next one um, is going to be examining the idea of the needs of the many versus the needs of the few through the lens of two uh Two coming of age uh, stories that really, that at first glance don't seem like they're dealing with that issue in particular. Um, those stories being um, the anime movie Weathering with You and uh, the video game Life is Strange. Um, okay, I'm familiar with the latter, not the former. Yeah. Um, so uh, Weathering with You is a film, uh, basically about a young man in Tokyo who uh, he flees his um he runs away from home because he's not satisfied with life and he uh, runs into a girl in tokyo who can control the weather and tokyo has been under like a de deluge of rain and so she can stop the rain and 
basically they uh you know they try to capitalize on it but problems arise i don't want to spoil it it's a very very well made and heartfelt film and then for those of you who don't know life is strange is a game that came out in 2015 following a uh, teenager max caulfield uh who discovers one day that she has time powers when she saves her childhood best friend chloe price from uh getting shot in a bathroom and um from there they try to unravel a mystery in their uh quiet uh sleepy hometown uh only to discover that there are going to be a lot more consequences for max and chloe than they first thought and uh both of those stories are very near and dear to me and i wanted to they i found this weird resonance within both of them that i vibed with um, and I want to use them as a bouncing off point to talk about the needs of the many versus the needs of the few and how oftentimes that argument is used to justify horrible things done to, you know, people and that it's very easy to feel like we're, we are that many instead of being the few and just kind of trying to break down that like binary and stuff. And it's a little hard to articulate cause I'm still, you know, drafting it and stuff. Um, but that's something I hope to have done within, hey, you know, hopefully by December. I think yeah. it's a very interesting project. Did you want to talk about your first video at all? Uh, yeah, briefly. You know, I don't want us to get uh, too sidetracked. Um, but Sorry. I made a video essay on um, Town, examining it as um, a piece of modern day mythology. Not just in the fact that it's a, you know, it's a show um, that is based off of a myth and, you know, you're adapting it to be, you know, current to the time, you know, because Hadesound is an adaptation of Orpheus and Eurydice while also heavily featuring the mythology of Hades and Persephone. Um, but also how, like, it, it's not just that. It's the fact that it is a musical that functions in the same way that uh, myths did in the past. Like, you know, the myth of uh, Hades and Persephone was an explanation for where do the seasons come from? Um, and it's because, you know, Demeter has separation anxiety. Uh, and that modern day, you know, Town in this adaptation, is trying to examine why is the world the way it is? Why are the seasons out of whack? Why is capitalism a thing? And that Hadestown, um, both textually and subtextually, is functioning in that way, trying to provide, like, a tangible kind of satisfying human answer for why is climate change a thing and you know like the, an example is well it's because you know hades and persephone whose you know loves brought the season they're so out of whack that the seasons are in accordance going crazy and stuff and it's basically you know an examination of that and trying to understand what it can tell us by this not just you know giving listing examples of here's how hades sound tells us why the world the way it is but also trying to see what we can glean from that if we read the story in that way i can dig it i i'm um, i say that like i haven't watched the video but i have and i can vet it and it is an extraordinary piece and i think you do a very thorough job of this conceptual analysis you do a really nice job with it well thank you very much hmm? but um enough about me let's get to this uh entirely stuff. different thing mm-hmm <laughs> Usually before I start each episode, I like to ask my new guests to the show four different questions about their relationship to the paranormal and etc. 
Uh, some of them may verge on like discomfort territory. So if any of these questions are uncomfortable for you, feel free to skip out on them. Okay. That's totally cool. Okay. The first question though, do you believe in ghosts, aliens, or anything else considered unexplained and paranormal? Yes, I do. Yes. I always have skeptics on the podcast. <laughs> this is a rare tweet treat. Oh boy. <laughs> Woohoo. Let me know if you need me to go into more detail. Oh, yeah, totally. Go into more detail if you want to. Like, if you believe in ghosts or not aliens or aliens and not ghosts or well, et cetera. I think it's a statistical probability that, you know, I mean, not a probability, a certainty that aliens have to exist somewhere in the universe. Um, whether they're intelligent or not, I don't know. And the thing with, like, uh, ghosts and more, like, esoteric, like, spirity stuff, I... Uh, I don't know if it's, like, a tangible, like, Ghostbusters thing, but I definitely think that, like, you know, there's more to us than just, you know, this, like, mortal coil that we carry around. Agreed. Um, and I think we do leave parts of ourselves behind afterwards. Like, I don't know if it's a conscious thing. Like, it's, I don't think, like, you know, our soul or whatever it is that makes us us is left behind necessarily. Like, I don't know if I would believe in that. But I do say, like, I, there's mo more to the universe than what we know. Like, maybe the scientific explanation for ghosts is nothing like what we think about it and stuff. But I, I don't, like, I know enough to say that I don't know enough about things. Like, for there's sure. no way I can say for certainty, like, oh, there's no way there can be, like, ghosts or spirits or something because... You can't disprove something like that 100%. You know, like, I don't go out of my, you know, way to worry about ghosts or anything or think, oh, God, there's a ghost there. But just, like, you know, I'm open to the possibility. I think the world's a little bit more fun that way. For sure. That is exactly how I operate. Except for I also I think I've seen ghosts. Mm. So now I'm biased. <laughs> but, yeah, that's an excellent answer, and I appreciate it. Uh, the second okay. question I have, do you have any experiences with any of these things? And if so, would you care to share them at all? Hmm. I can't really say that I do, um, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I've lived a very normal, well, definitely haven't lived a normal life, but I haven't had anything that's really, like, turned me into, like, a true believer, per se. But at the same time, uh, I haven't had anything that's made me completely disbelieve. But no, I haven't had any experiences that I can think of. That's fair. That's a that's a good answer. It, to like come up with that answer instead of trying to come up with one on the spot is definitely a noble pursuit. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be a boring podcast if I was just trying to lie. But for sure. Also, I've never lied on the podcast. I think, wait, I think literally last episode I was talking with my guest and I was like, what if I just made up a story? Uh, I'm going to, I'm bringing it up now so the audience is aware that it might, it might not happen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, the third question I have is, do you follow an organized religion or spiritual practice or are you more agnostic minded? Slash, does the existence of the esoteric and paranormal line up with your religious and or scientific and or agnostic beliefs? So I would say that, well, one, I'm 
not religious. I don't follow any organized um, form of like faith or belief. Uh, and like because of that, like my whole thing is that you know I definitely probably put myself more on the agnostic skeptic side of things is that I believe that um, belief is a very powerful thing in that um, if a bunch of people around me believe something is real then it might as well be real because that's the reality that I'm surrounded by Um, and you know like I find myself like uh, you know whenever like I uh, you know, visit like a different religious temple or something, you know, visiting a friend or going to a wedding or anything like that. It's, uh, you know, I find myself like, you know, like, I'll just, you know, bow my head being like, you know, trying to be respectful to whatever deity there may or may not be there. Um, but you know, and like, I believe that if there is anything out there that like, you know, being an asshole to it is not the way to go. So as it, like, pertains to, like, you know, ghosts and spirits and anything like that, um, I'm not going to be, like, the guy in the movie screaming, oh, yeah, ghosts aren't real, fuck you, ghosts, come and get me, and then, you know, get got, because mm-hmm. you never know. And, uh, but, yeah, no, um, the idea of, like, you know, there being things out there, like, it's definitely not something where it's, like, I will, like, try to hold on to my rationality at at all costs, being, like, no, no, no. Ghosts aren't real. Excuse me. Ghosts aren't real. Ghosts aren't real. And then just, like, when all evidence is to the contrary. Because um, it kind of goes with, like, what I was saying earlier. It's that, like, I don't know enough to say if there is or isn't. And also, it doesn't affect my daily life all that much if there is something there, you know? For sure. I think I... Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. I think I'm a weird person in as much as, like, I always try to go out. Like, I'm not going to believe in something at point blank, but if something is Mm -hmm. out there, I'm going to put a lot of effort into trying to find it myself. But I will say this. To operate under the belief. Like, I want to believe that there is something else out there that's weird that we haven't figured everything out, that we haven't discovered all the truths of the universe, that there is more mystery and wonder there than what we see in our day-to-day lives. For sure. I like that answer. The fourth and final question in the introduction, though, to move on ahead, is something we kind of already answered a little bit already. But do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, uh, just in my uh, YouTube channel, if you want to check that out, that means a lot to me, you know. Like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff that we have to say to get people to see our stuff. Um, I have a Patreon connected to it. I'm still trying to figure all that stuff out, but if you want to throw money my way, I won't say no. I'll throw totally um, your name that way, but I don't think I figured it out either. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, uh, that's about it for plugging and stuff. Like, There's a link to some of my socials if you want to keep up to date on what I say, but I don't really say anything. I'm definitely trying to take more of a break from social media. Um Hasn't been working out, but uh, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, um, that's my stuff to plug. Wonderful. Thank you for the introduction. Um, uh, that'll just about wrap up the um, introductory bit. The episode tonight is going to be derived from the encyclopedic collection, The People Are Strange Reference, which I do believe I've only ever used once before. 
And the potion brewed mm. this evening is different from most because tonight I am doing wine. I think I always do craft beers, and one time I did a cocktail. But welcome to the wine episode, everybody. Last episode I drank something disgusting, so now I'm having fun with a wine from France, which sounds fancy, but France is next door, so this was three euros. Uh, I have a, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I think like Californian wines are now expensive. Wow, it's bonkers. Uh, but this one is the Cabernet Sauvignon Grenache combo. Uh, oh my, I don't speak French. Suvier traditionnel, and now it's in German. Trocken, <laughs> which is German for dry, from 2020 by Pays Doch. And it's, it's really uh, good. I've had a little bit of it so far. It's a dry, I'm not a wine taster, so this is going to be a great bit. But it's definitely dry, but on a light side. Like, it, it has a, the opposite of whatever a full body is while still being dry. Mm-hmm. And it's very delightful. I think it's, it's, a ni- it's a nice airy red, which is uncommon for when I get wine. Recommend ah. it. Yeah, I heard uh, online somewhere that uh, most wine tasters don't know what they're saying. They just came up with words and everyone just kept, like, going along with it. Like, an entire, like, industry of imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. I don't know what a tannin is. It's a fun word. Neither do I. <laughs> I think actually the German word for tannin is on the back of this bottle. <laughs> but that doesn't help. So should I introduce my drink or... Yeah, introduce it. <laughs> well, I think I already did, but uh, I am drinking um, a Mike's Hard Lemonade. So. Yes. And you can get a six-pack of these for like $10, I think. Um not very boozy, but you know you still get a little, little kick, a little, a little upswing, and it's lemonade. I remember those. So. I, I am thoroughly. I don't think I'm a big fan of malt beverages. I'm not a white claw person whatsoever, but I can go hard with oh, the Mike's I hard. I cannot stand white claw. I can't stand seltzer. I it's, can't it's either. Too much for me. I've only had one good seltzer, and I think it was good because it was also like with juice, and so it had a flavor that wasn't medicinal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I really do like mis- mixed drinks the most, and my uh, favorite mixed drink is when I will never be able to know what it was because I was already two shots in. Um, I had went to a Buffalo Wild Wings oh. um, with a bunch of friends as part of like a pub crawl for my 21st birthday. Was I there? And, uh, no, no, uh, this was with uh, friends from home. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, where I grew up, we and it was like a local area. all the time in college. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this was uh, the one, like, uh, down by where I live. Um, and, like, we pre-gamed. I had two double shots um, before I left. Um, I didn't want that, but I did. Um, and then when we get there, I'm already kind of, like, boosted up, and I can't, like, looking at the menu was too tough for me. And so <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And then, like, everyone else had ordered their drinks and stuff. And then, like, uh, the waitress came up and was like, hey, bartender found out it's your birthday. Uh this is on the house. I'm like, ooh, it's pink. It's pretty. And then I tasted, like, the best watermelon drink in my life. Like, I don't know what its name was. I couldn't ask. I forgot to ask. And then it's just, like, 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 and then, like, when I went back to uh, B-Dubs a couple weeks later, it's, like, no one knew what I was talking about. And I'm like, what? Like, like, it it was, like, the best thing in the world. Where is it? What do you do to it? 
Sadly, I don't think I know the beverage. I'm not a mixologist, and I do know a handful of things, but I don't think I'm familiar with a watermelon-esque beverage, but that does sound delightful. Oh, yeah, it, like, the best booze doesn't taste like booze. Um, I think I agree sometimes, but now that I'm in the place where beer just really tastes like beer, it's I like the taste of beer a lot. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's one that I am um, not too fond of, but I can I can see the appeal. That's Although, a, that's a, it's it's good to know your own taste palette. Everyone's taste buds are different, and mine are really mm-hmm. accustomed to bitter fucking things. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that I never get with people. Is just like when I say like my preferences for food, and they get so personally offended. It's like, you know, like I I don't like mac and cheese. I tell people that all the time and stuff just because it comes up organically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they get so offended, like I'm going to take their mac and cheese and throw it in the garbage. It's just like, no, I don't want a cu- I don't want a, like a plate or a bowl of this. I just I, I don't like. It. I think it's kind of gross. And it's just like, like people will get so territorial over the things they like. It's just like, okay, you don't like it, you don't like it. Just you know, just move on. For sure, I think I lost the privilege of being able to critique people's taste buds when I became a vegetarian because anytime I bring up, I don't know if that tastes good. It's I'll get shut down immediately. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, okay, well, you don't have a food group, so shut up. I feel that. <laughs> I cannot get militant about taste buds. Oh, without further ado, oh my, speaking of taste buds, I'm about to ruin everybody's appetite with this story. Thank God I finished my bagel then. Yeah. But without further ado, here's the introductory bit. 1788, Paris, France. A street performer appears on stage, a scrawny-looking man, somewhere around 100 pounds, though with an oddly large, four-inch-wide mouth and almost no lips. He then proceeds to eat stones, wine corks, and a whole basket full of apples, basket included, including also in his appetite a quarter of an entire cow, and I am so, so sorry, animal lovers, but... Live animals, like cats sometimes, and also eels, and crawdads, and snakes, and full-on birds, sometimes eating the eels without chewing at all. Allow me to introduce you to the very real, and arguably very tragic, Terrar, a French street performer turned soldier turned spy, turned, as some claim, cannibal? He's a medical anomaly who was constantly hungry no matter what he ate, and very able to consume pretty much anything set before him, with varying degrees of digestional success. Though modern medicine has a good number of ideas as to what exactly went on with this man, we are still entirely uncertain as to how Tarar ate so much as he did, while never weighing more than 100 pounds, despite being able to eat 30 pounds easy in one sitting. Uh, I did a little bit of a bamboozle. Most stories are ghost stories, but you're you're in for a real life story tonight, Doug. Oh boy! One of a, it's a rare it's a rare occurrence. I love talking about real stuff sometimes. Mmm. Goody. Have you heard of Tarar before? No, no, I can't say I have. He's a. It, I always like. I always, like, thought something weird and magical and legendary was going on with him, and then I did the research, and they was like, no, this really happened. There's no part of this that's fake. And I'm like, what? Because it doesn't feel possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, but my we'll get... uh, initial vibe is just that, like, I definitely think he ate all of these things at one point, but maybe not all together, and that, like, 
you know, just like the way that human beings are like things just got exaggerated to where like oh he ate like a little tiny eel or a bird and it just turned into you know he he just gulped the the eel down like without chewing mm. like you know like stuff like that but we'll see that makes sense i think there may be a counter argument in my notes coming along the lines as to why this is an incredibly valid like this story is very fact checked in a way that is uncomfortable like oh but we'll get there uh, the sources for this story tonight, always rockin' rock Wikipedia. <laughs> One day I'm going to challenge myself and do a legend that doesn't have a Wikipedia page, but that's not today. Also, every time I go to Wikipedia, there's the ad where they want you to donate to Wikipedia, and I threw them $5. So if you're listening to this episode and you have five extra dollars, I think Wikipedia needs help. But don't wow. quote me. Uh, yeah, no, Wikipedia is just in a constant battle to try to keep ads off their websites. Because if you go from, like, Wikipedia to, like, any, like, individual wiki for, like, say, like, a fandom or something, yeah. um, you will see why they want to keep ads off their website. For sure. Yeah, that's, I think that is the nail on the head of the board that you hit with the hammer very accurately. Yep. Cool. That made sense. I'm, I'm going to go with it. Okay. Okay, cool. But yeah, donate to Wikipedia if you can. I love not having ads on it. Uh, other things, though, uh, I have other sources, I promise. Namely, The Two-Headed Boy and Other Medical Marvels, a book written by Jan Bondinson. Um, also, a series of excerpts from the 1819 London Medical and Physical Journal, namely written by the Dr. Percy Barron, who has an actual French name, but uh, there is one passage specifically that I wanted to mention as to like how a lot of the information, like we're talking about the validity of the information and how it was analyzed. The man Baron Percy spent a good like amount of time around Terrar for many different periods of Terrar's life and got a really good snapshot onto what was going on. Uh, here is an excerpt from his writings. At the end of this time, he saw Terrar at the civil hospital in Versailles, where he was perishing in a tabid state. Parentheses, spoilers, Terrar dies. Parentheses. Uh, this disease had put a stop to his gluttonous appetite. He at length died in a state of consumption and worn out by a purulent and fetid diarrhea, which announced a general separation of the viscera of the abdominal cavity. His body, as soon as he was dead, became prey to a horrible corruption. The entrails were putrefied, confounded together, and immersed in pus. The liver was excessively large, void of consistence, and in protrusant state. The gallbladder was of considerable magnitude, the stomach in a lax state, and, having ulcerated patches dispersed about it, covered almost the whole of the abdominal region. The stench of the body was so insupportable that Mr. Tessier, chief surgeon at the hospital, could not carry his investigation to any further extent. Oh my god, I read all that drunk. I think I made one mistake. <laughs> Woo! I would say, like, now that it's like, okay, yeah, obviously he died. And it makes sense why he died from it, because when you think about it, you know, part of the reason why human beings seem to have such limited appetites and why, you know, we cook stuff and all that's everything is because, like, we need a very specific set of nutrients. And mm-hmm. that, like, the reason why you don't eat the whole animal um, is because there are parts of animals that are very toxic and that after a while it builds up in you. Like um, 
I think I remember uh, in my health class, um, the professor was like, um, yeah, like potassium, really good for you. Um, polar bears, like, I think it was like a kidney or something, has so much potassium in it that if you ate it, you would die. Like, it's oh, just I think like, I've heard about that before. Yeah, and, and just like stuff like that where it's like, you know, like, like there's a reason why we're very particular about the animal products that we do eat. And that like, you know, after thousands of generations of human evolution, where well, we only digest some things and not others. Oh, yeah, and there's, like, no going back to it now that we're at this point in evolution where the things we eat, we are comfortable eating, and if we expand beyond that, it's going to, like, to go well, back yeah. would hurt and or maim people. Well, yeah, because, like, I think the best way to describe is kind of, like, um, running, like, you know, iOS 1 on, like, your new iPhone, um, and just because it's, like, you know, and obviously, like, you can emulate things, so it's not the best um, analogy, but just the idea of, like, you know, there's all these old, th like, w w our bodies are built for this new shit that, like, you know, evolution has prepared for us. And trying to go back to that is, like, extremely hard. And, like, obviously, there are exceptions with humans. We are remarkably oh, yeah. weird. But, like, you Point know, it's kind of making sense. Yes. Um, but it kind of makes sense how it would catch up with somebody. And that, like, even if externally it seems like they're fine, because I'm pretty sure, like, the performance circuit wasn't very kind to people let alone um someone with um his condition back then mm -hmm. um that you know like people aren't going to be really paying attention to it um but internally it must have been awful like you know now that i'm actually yeah. thinking about it, i'm getting a little a little sicky just it's, it's the eel thing it's the eel thing that's getting to me i'm like just <laughs> i'll not bring up eels gold. again yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We're fine. We're fine. Let, 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 let's let's move on. Let's, let's not sure. close out the uh, audience any further. Of course, of course. Um, the other sources, because I did a lot on this. I did a lot of research for this one. Props to me. It. I put an effort in this <laughs> podcast, baby. Uh, we got The Medical Mystery of Terrar, a cannibalistic French spy, an article written by Chris Levin on Ripley's Believe It or Not's website. And oh my god, I forgot about all the spy shit, like... I was just like, oh yeah, this guy oh, eats gonna... weird, but yeah, no, I, I forgot. Apparently, he's a spy. Oh yeah, well, that's a, that's a very interesting event in Terrar's life. <laughs> you know, keep keep that in your mind because it's the it's a it's a pivotal one. Okay. Um, the last article is a bizarre story of an 18th century Frenchman who ate a quarter of a cow daily and never gained weight. An article written by Catherine Ellen Foley on Quartz, a website that I don't know anything about. Alrighty, so uh, let's bada bing bada boom get chronological with it. Start the story at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start with Tarar's mm -hmm. early life. Um, little is known about Tarar's childhood besides the fact that he was maybe born in 1772, but he was definitely born in the countryside surrounding the city of Lyon. Sort of in southern France, but like not that southern if you don't know where it is. Like it's south east of Paris by a good deal. Um, nobody knows Terrar's actual name nor family name, and it is speculated that Terrar is a nickname slash stage name. Uh, the phrase bon bon Terrar means, ooh, that's a big explosion in French. But then we get into a little bit of an etymological chicken and egg situation where did the name of this phrase come first to Terrar's name? We just know it means inflation, getting really big, and that's probably... A study in etymology that'll bore the audience by a small degree. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird one. 
for sure. For sure. Most of what is claimed about Terrar's childhood is what the man told the doctor, Baron Percy, who I talked about a bunch, and who he'd hang out with mm. a bunch later in life, and who did a bulk of the writing for this case. Anecdote time, though. Apparently, Terrar had an ability, ability to eat, quotes, a quarter of a bullock, that's a cow, and still remained the size of a child, actually smaller than usually. I think he was a little bit of an underweight child, but he still ate a quarter of a cow. Um, wow. And he also claims that he was regularly able to eat up to his own weight in food. Damn. So he, this, he was born with whatever is going on. Uh, this being rural France, though, in 1772, uh, the peasant class had a, a very little land to farm on, and food was expensive, and then they'd have a little revolution two decades later. More on that. So, allegedly, Tarar's family kicked him out of the house when he was a teenager because they were just physically unable to afford feeding him. Damn. So, he had, there's a... From this point forward, Tara is on the road and homeless and performing for money. Yeah, I guess that's a... Uh, I mean, I guess when your uh, whole gimmick is, like, eating things, it can be kind of efficient to be, like, a traveling performer. It's like, hey, watch me eat literally anything. Give me all the food you have, and I will eat it. Like, you know, I guess it can oh, yeah. kind of, like, you know, it helps. You know, like, it's... Kudos to him for taking the ailing situation he was in and turning it into a way to help facilitate it. Like, if I perform for money and perform by eating weird things, I will not starve to death. Yeah, you know, like, it's just like he's taking the starving artist bit to, like, the next logical step. So, you know, props to him. And a very literal st uh, sense. Just incredibly yeah. literal. Mm -hmm. The OG starving artist. We're making all these jokes about it now, and they're just going to be like, yeah, no, he ate people. How do you feel now? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say it, okay? Are um, you ready for a little bit of a spoiler? Uh, it's sure. not like a major spoiler. There's allegations that Terrar ate a toddler, but I'm a Terrar uh, apologist, and I don't think he did it, because there was never an official investigation, and it's all hearsay, and I am a Terrar uh, apologist. So, so the eels and the birds... Totally, but but the toddler. That's when you think, okay, now that that's a rumor. That's well, yeah, because then much. now we're now we're slandering his name. Like if you eat an eel, that's impressive. If you eat a toddler, I don't think that's unimpressive. But I would rather you didn't. Fair enough. So I assume there's more to the story. <laughs> a lot, yes. Okay, <laughs> let's go. We get there's a, a large portion of things that happen before we get to the toddler. But here we are. The next section of the, cab uh, the podcast is Terrar the Performer. Thus, ah. he began to roam France as a beggar-slash-thief-slash-performer to find enough food to satiate his odd medical ailment. He sometimes traveled alone, and sometimes with other vagabonds or thief types, or prostitutes, as one article claims. There is an obvious joke here, and I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> He did eventually join a Commedia dell'arte traveling performance troupe where he both acted the pantomime Commedia rules, but then did his eating a lot of things stunt as like a warm up and then afterwards. Uh, okay. He was 17 when the troupe made it to Paris, and then that is the point in which Tarar met up with a Mr. Percy, whom I mentioned before. Uh, Percy actually would watch Tarar do like a lot of the things that are claimed. 
the passage is about he's eating flints and corks and a lot of apples. And the thing that I said I wasn't going to talk about anymore, that is like Mm -hmm. the information that gets repeated on every article because that is like straight up coming from Baron Percy's writing. Like he witnessed it happen and is an actual like medical professional that wrote a lot of medical Uh. documents. And so the validity of this story is crazy because like, Baron Percy is like, I'm studying diseases, and now I am also like, like he was a very. I'm studying disease, man. There's something wrong with him. <laughs> he, that's what, he was really just watching Torah like something new is happening with him, and I have to figure it out because what? the thing that's wild to me is just like that for such a long time, like people were just like, hey, this person's fucking weird. Come pay, pay like. I don't know, like ten cents to watch him. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's like was oh yeah, and, stuff. Like side and it's like stuff. you know, like and obviously we feel like a little squeamish about it. Just like oh man, it feels so wrong to exploit a person for entertainment like that. But then like that's just what we have on TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Just like videos of just like the dumbest people, and we laugh at them because ha, huh, what idiots! And it's just mm-hmm. like you know, it's, it's so simple, like. We think we're better than people from the past, but then it's just like if you bring that up, it's just like, no, no, it's different. It's different laughing at people on TikTok because they put it out there and stuff. And it's like, well, this guy put his eating thing out there, too. Like That's why I'm a Terrar apologist, because he had the autonomy to perform himself. While others would exploit this and get paid for it, Terrar was like, you know what? I'm going to step up. I'm going to perform, and I'm going to get the benefit from deciding to do this myself i don't need a manager i can self-book myself yeah this man has no agent and he will get a career in espionage as you will find out yeah but let's let's, <laughs> let's, let's move along because we've been uh i'm, we'll I'm be stopping every time uh edge play with the espionage <laughs> um this is when uh oh yeah like i just i was talking about i think i wrote this note twice like a brilliant man but um, this is what I was talking about with the majority of the things that Tarar is claimed to have eaten is coming from Percy's writing. He definitely ate more. Like, I think he... There's a medical condition known as pica where, like, people have, like, an innate desire to eat the inedible. A lot of times it manifests with people eating, like, I'm eating paper or I'm eating pencil shavings or stuff. And... Mm-hmm. A lot of what Terraria is doing is eating the inedible. And so, like, I don't think pica was a diagnosis at that point in history whatsoever. But I think uh, Percy was like, I think something along the lines of a desire to eat the inedible is what is going on with Terraria. And that's important for, like, the conclusions. But we are getting to espionage, I promise. Okay. Things that I haven't yet mentioned, though, include one time... When Tarar had to go to the Hotel du Hospital because it was a rare moment in Tarar's life when he couldn't pass stuff digestively. Uh, fun fact, he, he, I don't think he ever was, like, constipated or anything. He had a fairly normal, like, gastrointestinal thing going on mm. to not be well, really colorful. Up to, a, up to a point, I mean. Yeah, up to a point. There's, there's moments like this where it gets tricky and he has to go to the hospital. Uh, the mm. surgeon gives him a powerful laxative, and he was able to fully recover from that bout of indigestion. Wow. And then, as payment, Tara was like, I could show off my abilities. I could beat your pocket <laughs> watch if you want. 
and like pass it harm free and the surgeon was like you can eat my pocket watch if you want but i don't want you to pa- i'm gonna cut it out of your stomach first and Tara was like <laughs> never mind i'll pay normally <laughs> oh wow fun anecdote from another thing that he did was one time he ate an entire meal prepared for german laborers and I think a majority of that meal involved curdled milk paired with two bowls of hard pudding, but he ate like eight servings of that because oh, I think German laborers were like, you couldn't do it. And he was like, watch me. Yeah. I mean, it's a little gross to think about, but I think like the thing with like curdled milk is that like as gross as it is to think about, it is technically edible. Oh yeah. Know, like, you know, and like people didn't have much choices back then, and that like they were getting authentic milk from a cow and not real, like not not like our uh, you know the mass-produced stuff that we get these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why I'm defending him, but like you know, like like I, I, I guess this is. It, I think it's like the rational part of my brain trying to be like, no, nah, no, nah, he's not that crazy. He's not gr- that crazy. You know, people people had curdled milk back then. You know, like like th- th- there has to be some like you know logical re- like some part of my brain's like you know like come on, come on. He just try to make them as normal as possible, and I don't know you why. Might be but like something with that because they're in France, and I don't know the most about French cuisine, but I think they do things like I'll eat a snail. So I don't mm-hmm. think I trust them i don't trust french cuisine i think they do things sometimes because they're bored mm-hmm. well and also and like our food might be a delicacy our our food tastes our palates have changed so much in the past couple of years so but the french is my not of yeah yeah well i will save that for you and your european beef but uh... <laughs> yeah i don't know uh... <laughs> This is not let's, the views let's, of Germany. This is personal and American. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's let's move on to the next um, anecdote for us to immediately sidetrack. I love France. Here's a subject change. <laughs> That's actually what I wrote in the notes, but not the I love France. I'm not going to. I'm going <laughs> to stop talking. I ruined a moment. Uh, well, you, you have to talk. You have all the notes. I, I can't do it. <laughs> you, yeah, I, just, I don't think I've ever done an episode where i have actually i did a collaboration with another podcast but i also think they wanted me to prepare a story so i've never been on that side of it you have to improv Mm -hmm. i have a script i'm so sorry uh it's fine let's just let's just go on then yeah you keep making me not do tangents and i'm like how about this tangent what did the guy look like (laughs) tarar well at first blush he's a scrawny 100 pound dude with longish wispy blonde hair and a really wide mouth however he had a few other things going on with him that looked particularly bizarre. If he hadn't eaten the amount of food he needed to eat, which is a lot of food, his skin would sometimes hang low with visible flaps, as described by Mr. Percy, as a large deflated balloon. He also had invisible lips, um, and if one looked closely, you could see that Tarar always had stained teeth that just were never unstained. Uh, and he also, also smelled as though he lived inside the decaying Tupperware in the back of the Grim Reaper's fridge. Yay, metaphors. Uh, oh. For one, yeah, he was constantly sweating and very hot in body temperature all the time just because whatever was going on made his body temperature just exceedingly high. Oh, yeah, high. no, like, I, like, just like the normal meat sweats can kind of suck 
you know, but just like, you know, just like all that stuff, like not cooked, not prepared. Yeah, no, like, man, like, like I knew a guy who, um, couldn't sweat physically. Um, Mm. uh, guy was a great sport about it and stuff. Um, but he, and then I met cross camp and stuff. Um, and like he, when he was running, he had like a bandolier of water bottles that he would just have to throw on his body every couple, like every couple, like quarter miles or so just to keep himself from like overheating and stuff. He was pretty decent runner and stuff. But, like, I'm thinking of that guy, and now I'm thinking of this guy being the exact opposite, where instead of, like, no sweat at all, it's, like, I'm sweating all the time. Yeah. And I I think it was, like, because it's just a biological condition. Like, he just keeps sweating, Mm -hmm. because I think his body regulation is, or, like, his body temperature regulation is out of balance. Oh, I bet. That being said, he also decided to eat a lot of weird things, and so he had a habit of burping and farting all the time. Which is, I uh, use the is. funny words. I'm very sorry. It is claimed by Dr. Baron Percy that one could see his stench as a visible vapor. Okay, and you know, that no one could bear to stand even within twenty paces of him. Here, here's the thing. I was gonna save this for later, but I, I want to ask. I'm assuming you did your homework on this, but did Baron Percy actually get a like a doctor's license, or did he just go around saying he's a doctor because? You know. He got it. He got his doctor's license. He wrote in the medical journals in London, and then also okay. France. But I think he participated in the revolution. So, oh, okay. Well, you see, like I was just like, you know, I'm trying to piece together everything, trying to find out, like, uh, you know, trying to find like the underlying story here. Um, just like you know, I could chalk that one up to colorful expressionism in language. Yeah, because th- this is the French we're talking about. You know, like yeah. that's that's their language. I'm just like, I'm like you know, maybe maybe this Percy guy's just lying, you know, trying to make a buck, you know. But uh, I, I digress. Continue. That's right. No, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good that's a good angle to approach this with. Mm. It is he is a reputable first uh, doctor for sure. Like I think he definitely has a license or whatever constituted as a license back then in France. But mm-hmm. yeah, that could be a metaphor. Uh, actually, I do have a Baron Percy quote from his journal, uh, which states that he, brackets, Terrar, brackets, was subject to a flux from the bowels, and his dejections were fetid beyond all comprehension. So, he's a little poetic. Yeah, yeah, a little. Um, would I be wrong to say, like, maybe could we move on from the fart stuff now? Yes. Also, okay. now, is the, what is the next part? Yeah, well, now we're getting into war arc. Now is a good time to talk about how, like, Terrar probably wasn't doing this on person, uh, on purpose. He was just definitely a really poor guy in pre-revolution France in the peasant class who couldn't oh, bathe yeah. and also had to, like, eat a lot in order to not starve. And so, mm. like, if he's going to smell weird, yeah, he is. That makes sense. It's not his yeah, fault. Yeah, no, no, that, that's a good point, because, like, I... I... I don't know if you mentioned the time period or not. Like, I think you did, but, like, you just, like, mentioned a revolution. I'm like, that doesn't narrow things down because oh, this yeah. is Europe. But, like, <laughs> The no, revolution. No, no, no. The French one. The Fra- French revolution. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, the straight-up one. Mm-hmm. It's going to ha- It's actually 3-2-1 going on right now in the story. So, oh. Yeah. It's, like, it's, like, he was actually performing in the decade before the revolution happened. 
Yeah, I could just imagine that. It was just like, you know, like he gets he gets a message from one of his friends, I guess, like a letter back then. It's just like, hey, man, I got you your big break. You're going to you're going to perform in front of the king of France. Going to going to do it in the <laughs> Bastille, you know, it's, it's going to be so cool. And then you know, he shows up the day of and it's just like, oh, shit, it's a riot. <laughs> I was going to say like, gulp, but in this case, he would not have been able to gulp. Well, no, no, he would, because that was his thing. He just gulped. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. All right, let, 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 <laughs> fun let, fun. let, let's go. So now it's history corner. We're going to talk about the French Revolution for a sec. The French Revolution was going on during Terrar's teenage years, and no one in any document states that he participated in it, but he probably did because he will get involved with the War of the First Coalition, which is the subsequent following up to the... Um, Revolution. So it is very okay. safe to say that Terrar was pro-revolution at this point in time. Uh, what am I not say? Honestly, oh, man. though, he's probably dude, just he literally, about his own problems. He oh, yeah, literally, he, like, if he did, though, he would literally take eat the rich to a whole new level. Yes. He could weaponize his ability against the <laughs> aristocracy. Like, like French Revolution X-Men style, and it's just this guy who can just eat everything. <laughs> I think I'm, I think if anybody is an X Men, this guy is in the roster of a top ten. <laughs> but okay. um, it, like nobody documents him doing any like activity within the revolution itself because I think it was going on while he was still like performing and keeping himself fed. I don't think he focused on beheading anybody because he had to eat and stuff. But yeah. by the time the war of the first coalition rolled around, Terrar definitely got involved. What is the mm-hmm. War of the First Coalition? I actually didn't know the full details before this. Do you know any of the details on it? Um, does it include Napoleon? No, it's the one that's before Napoleon. Uh, then, uh, nah, not really. I don't think it's the name of it, but I think Napoleon did, like, the Second Coalition or something like that. Okay. I, and this is this is all the Wikipedia talking through me and a little bit of a skimming so we can get a background. So anything I say could be wrong. I wish Zuma were here because Zuma knows a lot about history and I know Zuma? slightly less. My fiance ah. in the other room and I hope he's not hearing me be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, war First Coalition though. It's not a revolutionary war. I don't know her. This is an American mm-hmm. joke because we don't know any European wars. Well, besides the world's wars, well, when the lower class was doing the French Revolution and executing nobles and such, fun stuff, the Holy Roman Emperor Leopold II, Mary Antoinette's brother, also FYI, Holy Roman Empire is pretty much just Germany, and it will become Germany soonish because the Holy Roman Empire might not be around for that much longer. Uh, And his good friend, Leopold, the king, or... Leopold and his good friend, the King of Prussia, Frederick William II, were hanging out with a bunch of noble-type people in Europe, and they were nervous about the revolution kind of going well, and the aristocracy people getting their heads removed. So Frederick Mm -hmm. and Leopold, along with a bunch of escaped French nobles, made a statement known as the Declaration of Pilnitz, wherein, if the French people hurt the King Louis um, XVI, that's a Roman numeral and it took me a second, or his family, including Mary Antoinette, there'll be a war. Longtime fans know where this is going. <laughs> Louis and his family, including Mary Antoinette, got their heads cut off, 
in Leopold, not thinking that they were actually going to do that, had egg mm. on his face and was like, well, I made that declaration and everything. I have to go to war now. Fuck. The assembly in France actually decided to just declare war first. They're like, we don't care. We're not fucking around. So in 19 or so in 1792, they're like, hey Leopold, you're a, we're gonna get you. We're France and we don't give a fuck anymore. We just killed the nobles. Watch out. And so this is the war of the first coalition. The coalition being the aristocracy of Europe being like, oh fuck the French. And this is where Tarar jumps into the story in a really weird and stupid way. It is at this point that Tarar decides to join the French Revolutionary Army. However, this proved to not be the best idea, because the military rations weren't enough for Tarar to not starve to death, even when he was allowed to eat the rounds of rations set aside for four soldiers, which didn't happen every day, to be honest, but still. Taking a sip. Yeah. Tip taken. Tarar took side jobs and did his performing thing in the meantime when he wasn't doing the military stuff uh, to get more money and food. And at some point, he just ended up eating a lot of garbage all the time. And Percy was like, I, I'm sorry you have to do this, bro. Um, Percy is a revolutionary. He is also involved with the French, mm-hmm. uh, the assembly in France doing revolutionary stuff. So it's not like, I'm the rich Dr. Percy, and I'm watching this man do his thing. He's like, we're revolutionaries, bro. I don't have any money right now. I'm so sorry. Wow. Yeah, Percy's cool. I'm also a Percy apologist, even though he didn't really do anything wrong. So I don't know what I'd apologize for. Uh, Despite all this, though, Tarar still ended up passing out from exhaustion one day when he was taken to a hospital at Suits Halt Rhin. Probably, I don't know what that is. Oh, wait, Rhin. Oh, that's probably the Rhine. Oh, I'm really close to the Rhine. Okay, so I think we're on the Rhine now. <laughs> I didn't notice that before, but now I do. Okay. The Rhine is a river in the area where I live, and it is close to where I am. And I drove over it a couple... I didn't drive. A couple days ago. So the Rhine. Mm. Um, fun fact, though. Some sources claim that this is where Dr. Baron Percy and Terrar started hanging out but it's the most minor point of contention that some articles get wrong, and I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of talking. Do you have anything you wanted to add at all? Uh, no. I mean, it's, uh, I'm invested. I want to kind of see what happens next. I want to see, like, you know, like, one of the things with, like, uh, spies is just, like, uh, espionage is just, like, there's a lot of glamour to it, but sometimes people are just like, yeah, you know, I was a spy didn't fucking do anything it was just there undercover interesting work for the way that this well yeah like you know well (laughs) like um my french uh, teacher back in high school he's explaining how like you know when he traveled abroad in france uh you know to study and stuff he's like yeah no um it's really fun talking to people who were alive during world war ii because everyone either said like oh i was out of the country or i was part of the resistance you know like no one ever Mm -hmm. wants to admit like you know they were just like you know living during like you know the regime and stuff but it's just like the idea of like oh yeah every everyone was in the fucking resistance just doing nothing like like yeah. it, it, like I, I wonder if if he did do something and it's just like if he did anything like i'm not saying like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to like spit on his valor or anything i'm just saying like i wonder if like he was one of the spies who actually got to do something so for sure 
I'll, you'll get the answer to that question. Worry not. Percy also is, this is a boring, so boring. Percy is not an English dude, though. His real name is Pierre-Francois Percy, and then he would be, I'm Baron Percy, when he publishes stuff in London. So that's what's up with that. Um, for months while in Suits Tautrin, in a state of exhaustion, Terrar would, like, test the limits of his eating for Percy, who was studying him, and then eat a lot of the same stuff that I mentioned before. However, Percy and another doctor, Dr. Courville, along with the General Alexandre de Buhanas, whose name I got wrong, I know, were like, I have an idea. It was an incredibly stupid idea. They wanted Terrar to act as a spy for the French, sneaking messages across enemy lines that he'd put in a wooden box and then swallow and then pass normally. They wanted to double-check that this worked, though. So before they enacted the plan, they actually tested the process with a piece of blank paper where they put it in a wooden box, and then Terrar ate the box, and voila, he passed it normally. And that was the only thing they'd ever need to train Terrar in espionage-wise. Either way, Terrar agreed, especially when they paid him with 30 pounds of raw bull meat, which he ate in one sitting out of a wheelbarrow. Wow. He just oh, he doesn't man. stop eating. He is, he has to deal with this every day, and I'm so sorry. Uh, he was working. Oh, sorry. Oh no, I'm just saying. I feel for the guy. Like that has to be rough. Just like, you know, like I wondered. Like, did he enjoy the food, or was it just like, oh man, I'm a monster. I gotta, you know, I got I gotta scarf it all down, or else I'm gonna die right now. Like, I'm pretty like, sure the latter. Yeah, like I wonder if he enjoyed it. I don't think he ever bit. enjoyed eating food. I think he just always ate it to not feel miserable and that's why he ended up getting comfortable eating weird things and also garbage man that's rough yeah i'm a tarar apologist if i haven't mentioned but yeah, you, this might you be the first time it. i've mentioned it maybe maybe with that right. though he was working with the army of the rhine because i swear to god i can't do an episode without bringing up germany i know the story's french and it's increasing the odds of me talking about germany with it being next door, but still, weird well, shit just you know, does not stop happening in the Rhineland. Well, you know, like, we mentioned Germany a little bit just in regards to where you lived, but we went an hour without saying anything in regards to the story, so, you know, be, be, <laughs> You're be right. proud of that. Uh, his first mission involved him bringing a message from Berhanas. I'm going to spell it B-E-A-U-H-A-R-N-A-I-S, so nobody get mad at me in the comments, to a captive French colonel who was a prisoner of war, but I also couldn't find his name. However, the air quotes Holy Roman, the German, town of Landau, uh, is where Terrar was immediately captured because he didn't speak German and also smelled horrible and also looked the way he did, which is to say lots of skin flaps and a weird mouth. And he only spoke French and they were like, wait a second. That's a spy. And he was caught immediately. <laughs> the uh, soldiers stripped him, interrogated him, and brought him before a General Zugli, Prussian military officer. Despite torture and imprisonment, though, Terrar was able to hold off on ratting out the French plans for a very long time for 24 hours of torture slash imprisonment. Uh, he did eventually break and explain the whole weird fucking plan and Zugli, like, he was like, I ate a wooden box, it has a message. And the Prussian guy was like, all right, 
I guess we're gonna chain you to the latrine and then get the box and see what's in it. The wooden box was soon passed and then they opened it and read it and it turns out that the French general, Bouhanes, wrote like nothing important in the message. The only contents of the message were like, hey, we're trying this new thing with the message sending where we have this guy eat it, write back if it works. <laughs> and also maybe share like military plans if you found anything. Love ya. Like there's no important information whatsoever in the note. They were just like, let's see if it works. And it didn't. <laughs> And it didn't work in the like the most like appropriate way. It just like in the literal belly of the beast, it's like like God. it's just like it, it, like if there's any place for it not to work, it's just like in enemy hands. Yeah, and Terrar didn't even know they like fucking bamboozled him, which is gross. I, oh, like Tarar he's just like oh yeah, no, I'm 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 gonna hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it, and I'm not gonna shit for the motherland, and then they get it out of him, and it's like. Hey, did you get my, my text? Like, exactly. Like, like, hey, did you like? Hey, did you get my text? Let me know. This is the this is the pinnacle of Terrar's experience of fucking bullshit. That's why this is like why I'm a Terrar apologist because he just has to constantly deal with stuff and not stop dealing with things. Yeah, including this. Yeah, seems so. To, so what happens to, next? a little bit into the darker side of territory. Zugli was really mad and then almost executed him via a hanging or as some um, sources claim they were doing a mock execution which is an interrogation technique where you pretend to execute somebody so they say stuff sources are unclear mm -hmm. on that but there's definitely a degree where this dude was torturing Tarar because he was really mad that he didn't have any information but like he, Tarar didn't die he was like fine I accept what happened and he was returned to the French I mean, he could eat the rope. Like, that's not outside the realm of possibility for him, is it? No, it is not. And he could digest it, too. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's just like, we tried killing him, but he's just eating everything we give him. He's like Katamari Damasi. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I guess. The, like, instead of rolling it into a ball, it's just eating everything. <sighs> I, don't, Man, I don't know if you got guy. that reference. I feel like I had no. that on my face. I, I did not get that reference. Katamari Damasi fans out in the comments, illuminate your love with words of kindness. I'm not sober. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, so, uh, though, are you ready? Did you? I'm ready to move forward. Did you have anything you please, wanted to add? Please, that please, please. We've, we've, we've lingered enough. I gotcha. At this point, Terrar didn't want to be in the military anymore because that was horrifying. And so they let him retire because it was a hassle to feed him, but also because this is a traumatized man and his friends are in positions of power. So like, all right, Tarar, you're chill. Bada bing, bada boom. Get yourself in a hospital. And thus begins the hospital arc where Baron Percy and Tarar try to cure whatever's going on, or at least in the very least, try to figure it out. Also, wow. this is in the 1790s. So you can probably easily guess how this is going to go. Mm. Did they like try to do like the leeches thing, and then he ate the leeches? No, but oh. you know, actually, they might have. Like, they didn't write about it though. That doesn't sound out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, it's just like yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry, sir. We gave him the leeches, but they're 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 just gone. And you just hear like a loud gulp in the other room. Like, 
of the blood spec in me. So I'm sorry, doctor. <laughs> uh, some of the cures involved laudanum, a.k.a. opium. Oh. The use of acids and tobacco, but not the drug, wine vinegar and tobacco pills. I don't know why they thought that'd work. Uh, and a lot of articles say, and then they tried to feed him soft-boiled eggs, like that would help. It didn't. Mm-hmm. That was just something the doctors were like, I have an idea. Soft-boiled eggs. That'll stop this whole thing. Anyway, at some point they tried to give him a controlled diet where they did not let him eat a lot. And that worked the worst. <laughs> like, he immediately got desperate because he was starving. And so he went around wandering the hospital, gross content alert, in terms of um, eating things that might be in a hospital. Are you prepared? Let's go. Cool. Uh, he desperate. He started desperately wandering around the hospital and drinking the excess of patients' blood and then sometimes eating dead patients' body parts because that was the only thing in the trash at the point in time. Uh, He was also spotted at one time fighting with stray dogs behind a slaughterhouse that was kind of in the vicinity because he was like, I'm going to try to not eat people anymore. That's gross. But this is like, he's at a desperate point because the doctors are like, bro, don't eat. We're controlled diet time. And it wasn't working. And Tara was like, I'm going to die. And then started eating whatever was in the vicinity. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if like this was like, uh, now this is giving a lot of benefit, like a lot of benefit of the doubt to like, you know, 1700s um, doctors. But I wonder if they were trying to figure out if like, hey, maybe this is just like all in his head and that he doesn't need to eat as much as he is. Um, But he just, you know, caved because like, you know, your brain is you know like the brain and the you know tummy weren't like communicating and stuff because i wonder if that's what they were doing because you know like if it was just like oh yeah he could he's just gonna feel like he's starving but he's not actually starving that'd be something different but i um, I bet that was the thought process behind their decision but i also think a lot of records show that like tarar was definitely showing physical signs of malnourishment whenever he wasn't able mm -hmm. to eat it is to be noted that the Dr. Baron Percy was working at the hospital at the time, but this wasn't the hospital he worked at. So he was like often visiting and being like, hey, guys, here's what you got to do. Watch out. And the doctors were like, I'm not going to do that because mm. I'm also a Dr. Baron Percy apologist. Ah. Um, however, the straw that broke the camel's back and made the hospital kick Tarar out of said hospital was one time when an unnamed 14-month old toddler disappeared from the hospital and nobody did an investigation. They're all like, you know what happened? Tarar ate him. And then they kicked him out without investigating because I'm a Tarar apologist. Uh, nobody really found out anything. No body was found. Just the toddler disappeared. And then they're like, Tarar ate him. And bada bing, bada boom. Tarar is chased out of the hospital and everybody, including the doctor, Baron Percy, loses track of him for four years. Wow. The missing years. Yep. Eating his way really across Europe. Just eating his yep. way across Europe. Just like like, like, like like a little Pac-Man thing. Just like munch, 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 munch. <laughs> just like, I, I can picture it. I, I feel like, but like he was just straight up with AAFK for like four years. And that, mm. who knows what happened at that point. That's a lot of time. Okay, the so uh last arc of the story approaches though, if you're ready for it. 
Oh, the climax. Oh, yeah. And so Tarar was chased out of the hospital by hospital staff, and everyone lost track of him for four years. I wrote that twice because I'm good at note-taking. It is to be noted, however, that Percy thought Terrar was innocent, at least, because I am a Percy apologist. He definitely mm-hmm. always advocated for him and was like, we should find that dude. Holy shit. And, and everybody in the hospital was like, no, he ate a toddler. And so, uh, for four <laughs> years, nobody was able to keep track of his whereabouts until 1798, when Terrar would end up in a hospital in Versailles under the care of a Dr. Tessier. Tessier contacted Percy knowing that Percy was on the lookout for this dude with an enormous appetite, and Percy arrived immediately to check up on his longtime patient. But, Tarar wasn't in the hospital for a gastronomical ailment this time. He had tuberculosis, oh. uh, though it did cause him a deal of consumption. And so the aforementioned medical article happened, and it wasn't his gastrointestinal like, things that killed him. It was just straight-up tuberculosis. And then after he passed away, the accumulation of his medical ailment made his corpse not the most pleasant thing in the whole world. Yeah. So, so I guess he, I, I, I was wrong. It wasn't the fact that like you know his body just couldn't digest all the shit he had. He just had tuberculosis. Yeah, that's why I saved it to the end for a little bit. One last bamboozle. Tara just ate everything, and it was fine. And then he got tuberculosis. That being said, the articles do refer to it as the consumption, which is casual vernacular back in the day for tuberculosis, because nobody called it that at that point. And so there's like an 85% chance that he had tuberculosis instead of just any disease. But so like this is the actual medical professional we're talking about who has dealt with this co- disease it- and knows what's going on. It's just a cosmic pun then, just like, you know, the guy who was known for consumption died of the consumption disease. Oh my, <laughs> you made the joke and I appreciate that because I wouldn't what? have if you didn't because that was really that, good. That's what I'm here for. That's, you're a brilliant guest and I appreciate right. you. So is that the end of the story? That is the end of Tarar's life. I do have wow. conclusions and conclusionatory notes, but yeah, that's... That's the story of Tarar. Any takeaways yeah. at all before we get to conclusions? I mean, I just, I, I feel bad for him and stuff. And it's just like, that's you all know, I wanted. Yeah, like, that, that's the thing is that, like, you know, you hear these stories about people, like, living back then and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, there's like this, like, kind of human ideal of, like, you know, like nostalgia of just, like, oh man, like, people back in the day, like, things were simpler and stuff. And it's like, you know, like, yeah, there were. You know, there are things that you know we've gained in the past like couple centuries that we should we could probably do away because they're not very good for us but like you know it's just a reminder of just like yeah no shit was awful and that like you know as bad as things are the solution isn't to go backwards it's just to like you know keep the good things and you know make sure they're available to everyone and you know not make them exclusive and stuff like you know like it's just like it's wild because it's like in our modern day you know, I'm sure there are people who have similar conditions who are, like, able to kind of cope with it a little bit better just because there's mm-hmm. a degree more accessibility and, you know, things aren't as accessible in our world as they should be. But, like, you know, at least it's, you know, at least, like, if, at least, you know, here, if he wanted to get a, if he really needed to eat, he could get a Big Mac for a couple bucks and be fine, you know? For sure. And they're, like, we even have diagnoses. That was a weird. We even have diagnoses. I'm going to just roll with it. These days, we are able to diagnose 
whatever is going on and back then they weren't and that is like half the battle like understanding what's mm-hmm. going on is gonna allow you to treat it and just there's manifold nobody knows how to treat Terrar's condition and also like there's a degree of classism going on where nobody's really feeling all that compelled to deal with Terrar's mm-hmm. condition totally it's like yeah no it's just like uh like as, as as like funny as it is to look back on just because you know i think like reality is funnier than any story could be it's also kind of horrifying as i had to think about it it's just like like this guy just like was dealing was dealt l's constantly and like you know it wasn't even the eating that did him in it was tuberculosis like this you know really awful disease back then yep damn terrar is absolutely i respect the fuck out of him and i'm so sorry that he had to deal with all he did and i don't think he ate a toddler yeah no like i was gonna say i was gonna say it's like if he did, there'd have to be something left behind, even if it's just, like, blood or something, like, you know? Yep. You know, because, like, he... I, I, I'm not going to get into it, but it's just, like, there, there'd have to be some remains. Like, you know, I don't I don't think it's a... I don't think there is a clean way to eat a toddler. I don't know anything about it, but I'm just, like, there'd have to be, like, some evidence of it, you know? Yep, and it is important to note that I don't think Baron Percy wrote about the toddler whatsoever. Um mm. I feel like once you know somebody for like 10 plus years, you know somebody, you probably can, like if you have had a conversation with somebody for the span of a decade, you can probably gauge whether or not they are capable of eating a toddler. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you you never know. Who knows, maybe he took the toddler with him across Europe and raised him as like his eating apprentice. I doubt that because the instigating factor of him leaving the hospital is them accusing him of making the toddler disappear. But I like that concept. Yeah, yeah, just, you know. Adding my own my own twist to the story for the uh, scholars in the future. But, I appreciate um, it. I think it's really good insights that I have not considered, and I like them a lot. All right. So uh, you said you had some well, concluding things. Bada boom. Causes? So a lot of people have been discussing this for a long time because it's very interesting, and medical people are like, we didn't have the means back then to test it, but with hindsight and records and Dr. Percy's writings, maybe we could figure this out. Uh, first thing I do want to bring up, though, is the concept of Hickam's dictum, which is something I was unfamiliar with before I read this article. Excuse but are you familiar me? with Occam's razor? Oh, yes. I, oh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm familiar with Occam's razor. It's that, like, the best explanation is the simplest. Oh, yes. Right? Hickam's dictum is the opposite of this. It's, it, it specifically applies to the medical field. Um, the dictum follows as patients can have as many diseases as they damn well please. That's named after somebody whose name I did not write in my notes. So apologize Hickam. to Hickam. <laughs> like he has a first name. This is something well, from the 70s. Well, you know what? That honestly makes a lot of sense because, yeah, you know, your body, it's, it's like it, it's not like there's like, you know, like it's not like a computer with like USB ports, you know, it's just like it's like you can endure. You can get a lot of shit, I guess. Oh, yeah. Terard most definitely probably had multiple things going on instead of just one. And that is the concept in which I will indulge. What are the things that are going on with Terard, though? Everybody's favorite, tapeworm, or some similar parasite. Probably the first go-to idea, especially considering that Terard was a poor person who also ate a lot of raw meat in the 1700s very often. So Mm. tapeworm will happen with that quite easily. 
and there is a 99% chance that whatever Terrar was doing in the first place got augmented by a parasite. Yeah, I know. That would make sense. It would, you know... Others? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say that it's just like... There is that, like, you know, like, I like I was a bit earlier trying to be, like, rational, like, trying to be, like, oh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe, maybe Percy's making shit up. But then it's just, like, you know, like, I'm, like, you know, showing just, like, how far removed we, like, view those times and stuff. Like, we don't actually try to understand, like, why, like, um you know, like, um like, the people who would, you know, be in, like, the, you know, like, the quote-unquote freak shows, like, why they were the way they were. You know, like, obviously, like, there's scientific explanation, but we still kind of other them naturally and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's, I think it's kind of important, like, as a person to be like, oh, yeah, no, like, even now I'm like, yeah, you know, like, there has to be something really unexplainable about this guy. But that's just like, oh, wait, no, yeah, tapeworms, that, duh. Like, you know, like, you know, sometimes we just want to leap to that, like, weird and unexplainable thing because it makes it, I don't know easier that's what drew me to the story i was like something weird is going on it can't just be a normal thing but the concept of hickam's dictum makes me paint this in a very easier light where he probably had tapeworm and a different thing going on totally Uh, other theories that doctors have posited about tarar's condition is that he had an enlarged hypothalamus which is a part of the brain that part of the brain regulates body temperature and also registers when you're hungry so maybe that happened. According to articles, so don't quote me. So that being messed up would make, this is me reading from my notes, because I think I formatted this in a way where I cut out a, a sentence that is pivotal to me understanding the thing I wrote. Moving on. Uh, wow. There are other brain parts. Yeah, okay, I think the, what I'm gathering from my very well-written notes is that the hypothalamus helps you regulate hunger and body temperature, and maybe it was enlarged and it got broken. The other brain part is the damaged amygdala, which does pretty much the same thing. Or perhaps hyperthyroidism happened, which is not a brain part. That's the thyroid gland, but it does pretty much the same thing. That's the Mm. worst note I've ever taken in Fox or Esoterica. I don't know what I just said. Okay. Well, um, if you want to, we can try to figure it out or we can move on to the next part. I can move on to the next part. Brain part got big, and it makes you think weird. Yeah, no, like, I was pick- I was picking up what you're putting down, and it's like, you know, there's might have been something wrong in, like, the, you know, like, when we think about, like, brain problems, we think, you know, like, men- like thinking-wise, but just not the fact that, like, the brain does more than just, like, our thoughts and consciousness is just, like, also telling, like, our body what to do, and it's listening to what the body's telling it, so. Yeah. There's, it, I do believe that there could be a degree of mental like thinking about hunger instead of like actually having a malnutrition thing going on and so maybe it was a combination of like the mental thinking you're hungry with an actual parasite making you hungrier and like feeding into that a bit which makes sense oh my god my notes get worse (laughs) verbatim time i googled it actually and the first link from the cleveland clinic gave me this answer hyperthyroidism also called overactive thyroid is a condition where your thyroid makes and releases high levels of thyroid hormone. If, oh. In case you wanted to hear the word thyroid 70 times. I instead of any other word. Um, the other thing... Okay, back to 
the notes that make sense. I think I was talking about pica earlier, which is the psychological condition where people are drawn to eat things that aren't food. And some speculate that there is a degree to which that features into this case. Unrelated, uh, unrelated, but also really interesting anecdote. Uh, these latter two points are conditions experienced by Michael Latito, uh, who is a French performer, but this person is from the late 20th century, who even survived to the 2000s, although I do believe he passed away within the last 15-ish years. Michael mm-hmm. Latito was a man who experienced pica and the ability to digest and eat things that are inanimate objects because of a high stomach acid and very thick intestinal lining. He was a performer also, and over the course of two years, he ate an entire Cessna light aircraft, which is a small airplane. He ate the entire thing. We got a Guinness World Record for it. That's That's a lot. Yeah. Shouts to Michael Latito. I think you're cool. It's it, it, like like somebody brought it up in an article because like oh my gosh what's going on in France to make people eat weird things but I feel like that's a case of do do, do you like think a, like the French like develop these people in like a lab and they're just like yes we'll release them out into the public and then everyone will think our French food is normal and they will make the worst spies of all time <laughs> yeah like, like like do you think that like that's the goal it's just like okay. We'll have these outliers so that way people will stop giving a shit for eating slugs and frog legs. <laughs> that might, I hope that's the case because I can't justify eating snakes and frog legs despite the fact that I'm a vegetarian and I really I can't make like a good argument against it because I can't make a meat-based argument without getting it demeaned. Very, very fair, very fair. Your opinion is valid, though. I appreciate it. I think that's fun. I think that the French should stop doing it, though, because I think it makes people suffer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So do we have any other thoughts that we need to get out? I'm going to... I just totally realized that there's one last part of this, but I'm going to blitz through it because it's two paragraphs, if you will indulge me. Sure. Charles Domery. Who's that guy? Weirdly enough, there was another guy in the War of the First Coalition who went through... something extremely similar to Tarar, and his name was Charles Domery. But it was a less intense experience inasmuch as he starved less and had it at a lesser degree, so nobody talks about it that much, especially since he didn't have a doctor friend that wrote about him all the time. But here's the brief story. He was a man from Poland who also ate a lot, but joined the Prussian army during the War of the First Coalition. Funny enough, he wasn't getting enough rations from the Prussians, a la Tarar, and defected to the French army at one point, where I think they gave him more food than they gave Tarar, but not enough. Probably they learned from Tarar. He also exhibited a voracious hunger and sweat a lot, though his case was far less intense in as much as he didn't show physical signs of malnourishment when he didn't eat. His story also mirrors Tarar's in that he... This doesn't mirror his... He was uh, captured by the British Navy at one point and sent to a prison in Liverpool wherein they experimented on him a bunch and then they lost record of him because they didn't have like any records of his death or anything. He just kind of disappeared from the public record after that point. Charles Domery. That that was a dude, apparently. Um, Yeah. yeah, This happens twice in the same time period. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if like... I feel like they weren't... Like if they were like around each other i feel like people would would have had to put them up against each other in like a contest like yeah you know, i'm kind of glad it didn't happen i feel like they would suffer just a little bit yeah yeah no but i just like i just like i know people in the army they would 
get all over that stuff. And I'm assuming, you know, French army people from the 1700s are similar to army people from today, but... One can only assume. One can I do assume. want to bring up the reason that Charles Domery does not feature more into this episode is because... I think I mentioned this, but he doesn't have a fun doctor friend to write about his life's escapades, so the records on him are far more sparse. That makes sense. And could not constitute an entire episode. But yeah, that'll, uh, that's all the notes I have. We did it. We discussed the story of Tarar. We have our opinions on it. We have gleanings of the situation in which you've gone through. That was Kramer. Yeah. And I think that we tackled this case quite nicely. I I yeah I'd say so. It was uh, interesting. I learned a lot about a. Uh, I feel like it's just that like he's not so much a weird dude as it's just that like the world around him wasn't ready for him. Exactly. That like you know I, I think, think in a more modern day setting he'd probably do great on TikTok, but like you know it's just. It is uh, what it is. Yeah. I I think. It's also something that is a part of history because if there's a degree of like malnutrition coming from the diet being less than great because the peasant class in France was not the most like well-fed class of all time at that point, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that, that his case is particularly unique because it's like a mental condition combined with a socio-economic condition that yeah. we don't see nowadays. Well, yeah, like, I think, like, maybe, like, the, mal the malnutrition of that, like, the stuff he did ate just didn't help at all either. So it's, like, you know, it's, it's definitely, yeah, you know, I feel bad for him and stuff. And, um. That's all I want yeah. to hear. Because I want everyone yeah. to be a Tarar apologist. Yeah, he is, uh. You know, interesting story. Um, you can't help but just kind of laugh at the absurdity of it. But, like, yeah, ultimately kind of a sad dude and stuff. And, you know, I hope anyone alive today dealing with what he does is able to get help and stuff. Um, For sure. Just don't eat any babies and you'll do fine. I don't have the resources to help you, so do not refer to me for any medical <laughs> information. Yeah, no, like, all of our talking has just been, like, the talking of two performers. We are not doctors or anything. Indeed. I don't think I know what a amygdala is, and I'm staring at the word in my notes. Well, that's that. I've been, yeah. It's, it's very, we're on the cusp of closing out. It's hard to end an episode where I'm talking about something real. Because usually if I'm talking about something that might not be real, like a ghost, who's to say, because ghosts could be real, there's a degree of discussion. It's like, what do we, is it real? Did this happen? What's fake about it? Bada bing, bada boom. But Tarar's case happened and it's tragic and we sit with it and we're like, I'm glad we prevented it from happening henceforth, but wow, history involves people suffering quite virulently and it is a sense of tragedy that is real and having people go through tragedy that is real is a very sad thing yeah i'm not and... sober that was not insightful please don't say that was insightful oh no no but it's just like you know it's that thing to think about it's like yeah no here's somebody's story and it ended badly and that's how it is for you know like a lot of things in history and it's just like 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's a weird thing to kind of end off on because, like, you know, when it's a mystery, it's like, ooh, who knows? But when you have, like, a definitive endpoint like this, it's just kind of like, yeah, man, that was sad. Yeah. There's things to learn from it. But yeah, totally. I hope everybody listening to this episode is a Terrar apologist now, and he didn't eat a toddler. He just didn't. And if you think he ate a toddler, then why are you listening to this podcast? Go home. Stop being on my Patreon or eat your money. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. That'll, that'll do it for this episode of Fox Esoterica. I have not checked the time in a hot second, but this is an hour 30, and that is totally a fantastic amount of time. Yeah. Um, this was uh, a lot of fun. So, do we do an outro or anything? I the outro is pre-recorded, and I actually did it earlier today. So we're good. We can just bullshit our way to like a horrible segue if you want. Uh, I, I I I honestly don't know. I mean, just uh, thanks for having me. I had fun. Um, my my name has been Doug. It was a uh, it was a pleasant time. All. Name All things considered. Be Doug. Yeah, you, you never know. You never know. I don't think I know what my name is sometimes because it's Force Eddie Fox. But some of these guests be like, "Hey, Aaron, what's up?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, we did it. We did the episode. Cool. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You cool. were an absolutely phenomenal host, and I totally appreciate your insights and your banter. And it has been an absolutely lovely evening. Thank you. I uh, enjoyed. Um being here thanks for having me for sure you're totally welcome onto the podcast at any point in the future if in, it is in your vibe although i like to probably space it out a little bit so it might be like a sec because i think i have a backlog of like three people for sure uh yeah just uh let me know when you need me and uh i'll figure something out for sure round of applause everybody to doug a wonderful guest I can hear you, I promise. I, oh my god, no, I can't make that joke. I made the joke in the outro. Yeah. Not sober. We did it. We did the podcast. <laughs> we did it. That'll just about wrap up this episode of Foxo Esoterica. I apologize for ruining any dinner plans this evening. I imagine people's appetites in the audience are not quite there. Haha. <laughs> I'm going to skip the review corner for this episode, inasmuch as there aren't really any locales that directly relate to this story, and it would be an immense cop-out if I did a review corner on, say, the Eiffel Tower or some big, well-known French architectural thing. The Eiffel Tower didn't even exist yet. Visit France, though. I imagine you'd enjoy yourself. I've never been. With that, though, I'd like to close out this episode of Foxo Esoterica. It's quite fun to have pulled off doing two episodes in a month, and I hope that I can keep this momentum going. Thanks once again to Doug, aka The Pink Punk. As I mentioned before, I will link their YouTube and Patreon, next to my Patreon, but give them a round of applause. Go on. I promise we can both hear it. You can find Foxo Esoterica on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at F-O-R-S-E-T-I-F-O-X, and you can support Foxo Esoterica on Patreon and Coffee at Force City Fox for both. Thanks again to Sun El Chiquito, uh, artist on Twitter, for the podcast artwork, and sleep tight, everyone. Don't let Terrar bite. Or, you know, 
consume you whole.